Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. And it's been... How long has it been? Two weeks since we met? I, Last you, episode? You beat me to it. <laughs> I was, in fact, going to say, how long has it been since we've talked at all? It's been... Oh, it's well, it's been more than one week. It has been. But... But less than one semi-charmed lifetime since we last spoke. So true. Whatever could be the songs we're going to talk about. At last, we are going to do Stairway to Heaven versus Freebird. <laughs> uh, no, we've already done that <laughs> we've one. We've already, yes, All we've right. already done that. We, we are doing my favorite two late 90s white boy minivan rock-ish rap songs of the, uh, I want to say 98, both of them. I think Third Eye Blind is 97, but we're doing Semi-Charm Life by Third Eye Blind versus One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies. <sighs> I think I conceived this entire podcast to eventually do this episode. Really? I feel like you've said this about a couple of episodes now. I, I there there are like the a handful. Ones. I like a handful, like five of them that I, I came up with. And I can't believe it took me this long to get to this one. You can't spend it all at once. You got to do shitty episodes to save up for the good ones. And boy, Listen to all our episodes. Wow, have we uh, we finally done enough shitty episodes that I've, I feel confident that we can finally at last do one week versus Semi-Charmed Life. And uh, you promised that it was like, oh man, I, I got this one because I'm all about that third eye blind, is what you said, is what I recall at the end of the last episode. I, I believe that you might be slightly misquoting me, but it's a, you know, sure. My memory is perfect. Uh-huh. And, uh, I am a pretty big bare naked ladies fan. It's interesting that you say that. I don't mm-hmm. I don't doubt it. However, I would say that in the long arm of our relationship, the mm-hmm. first time I ever thought you and I had anything in common was when I discovered that we both liked the self-titled Third Eye Blind album. That was the first thing where I was like, "Wow. We've got a thing we both really like." I don't know that there was anything prior to that that I thought we both really liked. You know, that's a, f- a funny thing because that can't be what I said because I hadn't actually listened to that first album till I want to say in the last couple of years. What I probably said was that I liked all the singles from uh, Third Eye Blind uh, first album. And in fact, every Third Eye Blind single I've ever heard, they have uh, uh, they're uh, all bangers from that band, at least that I know of. I didn't follow them after the third album. I remember being in the the apartment, you know, mm-hmm. the one, the the uh, the one that was like up on like wherever it was. It was that was way up up north. The mm-hmm. one that I lived in with some people on that. Like it was like the one that like everybody took a turn living in. Yes. And I remember there being a party where we were. In the sing- Heights, yes. Yes. Where we were singing some. Uh, yes. In the Heights. <laughs> we were living that Lin-Manuel life. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember us playing some Third Eye Blind songs on the piano. Yes, I uh, semi-charmed life has been a pretty solid staple of my piano repertoire and my karaoke repertoire all, all my life. Ever since I was able to like learn songs on my own, that's a that's a, semi-charmed life is pretty near and dear to me. So I'm I'm going to ask you, which is your pick? Was I correct that you were going to be on the third eye blind side of this? The third eye blind side, huh? I yes, terrible. Um, mm. Yeah, that's it's my new movie coming out this summer. The third, <laughs> the eye, blind third eye blind side. Um, yeah, yes, you are correct. What I will say is this: um, one week is not even my favorite song off that album. Stunt. Mm. Whereas 
I can't possibly pick a favorite song off the self-titled Third Eye Blind album because so many of them are great. And I would consider that to be a Desert Island album for me. It is probably in my top 10 favorite albums of all time. So yes, wow, that's, uh, Semi-Charmed that's, Life is the winner for me. That's a funny thing. I think for uh, people our age, people who did come of age in the in the late 90s, I don't think people get how important like Third Eye Blind is to a certain uh, like small cohort of that generation or Bare Naked Ladies for that matter. I mean, you've seen the bit on Community, right? Yes. <laughs> Where uh, who who is it? Joel McHale tries to make a joke about how the Bare Naked Ladies suck and then everyone jumps down his throat like people who only know one week severely underestimate how near and dear the bare naked ladies are to a lot of people. Yeah, I guess I do. So like, I don't would never call them a bad band Mm -hmm. would not. However, I would say that um, there are many alternate universes where they stayed about as big as say a Moxie Fruvis. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like they just never got past that being really big in Canada and then having a pretty decent cult following in the United States. I think that that yeah. could have happened. I think that ultimately they are good enough and I think they're better than Moxie Frivis, frankly, um, to be where they are. But like being good doesn't guarantee shit. I mean, we, we're, we're talking about this as Americans. If you are from Canada, Canada, they are like cultural institutions Yes, as as were Moxie Fruvis for a very long time until one of the members ended up being terrible. Oh, that's right. They got canceled. It's it's a bummer. I still occasionally will listen to their music, but it definitely is. uh, Anyway, that's not important. The point is, Bare Naked Ladies, it could have been that they never got out of Canada, right? It's a thing that they themselves have invented. They could have just stayed there forever. They were huge, massive in Canada. They would have been able to live off of that forever i don't think they needed worldwide acclaim they were having a great time getting naked recording music (laughs) and then going out and white guy rapping on a stage and having a blast you have to understand that they've got also got a lot of very heartfelt songs very you know like deep down in your soul kind of things you wouldn't know that from their one big hit yeah i would say i did i would i would say i go for semi-charmed life too so because it's more about something than one week is which is not I mean, it's a joke song. It's semi-charm life is not a joke song. Yes. So the the thing about, yes, I agree with that. Absolutely. And then the other thing about this entire situation is that the, the, the singing on, uh, on that song and the singing on any, I think Stephen page era, bare naked ladies automatically. He has a jokey quality to his voice. Do you know what I mean? Like there's something kind of goofy about it. Doesn't like, mean he's like a bad a comedy, singer. He's he's got a very like comedy theater kid kind of he he does voice and um to sort of very quickly sort of piggyback off of um the thing that I was I realized I was leading up to the bare naked ladies truly I'm sure they enjoy the notoriety I'm sure they like being able to travel the world and have people like them um but I do think that they were very happy with what they had um and I think that yeah like being institutions in Canada is probably enough for them by comparison third eye blind and Stephen Jenkins is the sort of the lead of that band. I don't know that 
Stephen Jenkins would have been satisfied with anything other than superstardom. I think that he really needed it. Like I, I, you know, I have a sneaking suspicion that maybe Stephen Jenkins will end up listening to this. I don't want him to think yeah. that I mean that in a bad way, just in the sense that like he was really hungry for success based on everything I've read about him. He's an intense individual. That's Stephen Jenkins. He has a thing in common with me. Uh, that is a thing that I constantly work on. He does a lot of thinking in his mouth. <laughs> and I think what's interesting about that is that um, as we talk about his music, I think that the way that he writes lyrics, that also really comes through. I, I mean, well, Semi-Charm Life, like One Week, is a song that is full of words. Like He, that's the he root says reason. a lot. And a lot of his songs are him saying a lot. And I don't think that there's, that's not to say that there's nothing poetical about it, but his songs are full of words. A lot of words in a lot of those songs. I remember someone saying once, someone who hates this era of, uh, you know, pop rock, that they hated like how blindingly white most of it was. And like the exception for him was Third Eye Blind because they had like some kind of hip hop influence in what they did. In the the rapping, I guess, I don't know what you call this kind of a uh, pile of words that uh, Third Eye Blind does in this one song, and really no other songs, right? They don't have any other songs like this. Uh, I mean, I would. They've got catchy songs. I would say um, there are moments, right? So, like, I think the Never Let You Go, which I think is the lead singer single off of the second album, Blue, right. Um, he does kind of at the end, he goes, I remember the stupid things, the mood rings, the mood bracelets, rings, and, bracelets the and the beads, beads, the nickels and dimes, yours and mine, you're cashing in your dreams. That's, you don't dream for me, no. You don't dream yeah. for me, no. Yeah, like, it's not as much, but, like, occasionally he'll do that stuff where, like, he rapid fires words, but not quite to the extent that he does on this song, Semi Charm Life. Yeah, like, you listen to this and you think, like, it wouldn't have surprised me if, like, this was his only song ever. Like, if this was, like, he could have had, like, a couple decent hits, but he threw everything he had into this one song. Kind of like the new radicals with you get what you give. It, it sounds like I am going to put everything I have into this. I was like, it's kind of amazing to me that the, the rest of the album is also good. Interesting because- that you would draw that comparison because the new radicals also that album, the new radicals also really good. Yes. Is great. Yes. Oh, it's a, Man, we are showing our age. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. That's what that's what the people want. They want to also right. feel like I can't be that old. These guys remember. These folks know. Well, you think we have an older audience? Like, no, I, I think our audience is like ten year olds. Well, then you know, we were back in my day. <laughs> it was Stephen Jenkins who did the rapping, and we liked it. <laughs> yeah, there was a. I don't know what you're talking about. Like this Jay Z or DMX. We it didn't exist at the time. It was only. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it this was, was the era Stephen of The Boy Jenkins Is Mine, too, Stephen by the Page. way, which I like. It's an interesting era for music and not a lot of this, right? It was the in-between, but like between the 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 alty stuff, like mm-hmm. the grunge to alt and then the lead up to your, uh, your, your boy bands and such. Like they're like right smack dab in the middle of that, right? Like this is this is the in-between era, the bare naked ladies, third eye blind era of music. Yeah, like like I said, we call it minivan rock, and by we, I mean me and about five other people. Well, people were asking, and you said minivan-esque. Do you consider these songs to be minivan rock? Bare Naked Ladies, definitely, and Third Eye Blind, definitely, but 
like if not only because it's maybe it's like a smidge too early like it's part of the last thing like you can you can sort of trace that to like the other like 90s rock ish stuff that came before like the spin doctors and stuff like that and the gin blossoms stuff that was like part of the, the first wave of adult alternative i guess or like the light alternative i don't know what man pick naming genres is hard it sure is. I mean, you came up with the great term. We can use it if you like. Um, I didn't. They're, they're like. Do, do, do they have minivans in Canada? I think they all ride snowplows. No, it's Zamboni Rock. I got it. <laughs> yeah. And for what it's worth, Underberger came up with that one. I I came up with the idea that it needed a name. Well, then, thank you, Andrew Underberger. Yes. Which one do you want to start with? Where shall we <laughs> begin? All right. I wasn't listening to music yet, so I caught up with these like a couple years after they were both big, like because they b- were both dropping the follow up album Maroon for Bare Naked Ladies and Blue for Third Eye Blind. And and then VH1 is like, well, they're dropping their new single and you remember their old single. And that's how I learned both of these songs. Do you I mean, you were more plugged in earlier than I was. So what was your memory of like one week dropping? Was it like. Were you annoyed by it? Because it's a little bit of an annoying song. Um, I would say, like, no, I wasn't particularly annoyed by it. It definitely was a jokey song, right? Like a kind mm-hmm. of a gimmick song. So it was not like, I think it would hit in one of two places and in, in no place in the middle. If it came on the radio, either I was really into listening to it or I was like, I'm not in the mood for this at all. <laughs> let's immediately change the station or no, on second thought, let's just turn off the radio and not think about music for a while. Like I don't like I wouldn't say that I was I thought at any point in time either I really love this song or I really hate this song. It just was how the mood would strike you. I will say at the top I said it's not my favorite um song off of this album and it isn't and that's because it's all been done is on there and that I mean, that's song a, that's rules. a fucking classic right there. Yeah. That's easily that's easily my favorite bare naked lady song period. And by the way, you know, there's a lot of songs um in their oeuvre that you could pick. Um, there are a lot of songs that I think are better than one week just because they're, they don't feel like gimmick songs and, uh, that, but for me, there's something about it's all been done, which is not the song that we're comparing here, but Mm -hmm. I love that it's, they're telling the story of a, of a building relationship, the times and trials of a relationship as though it is being done by immortals. Like you're constantly reincarnated and finding your love again. I love it. I just think that that's like a fun conceit. I think it it still has that sort of goofy sensibility that makes it a bare naked lady song, but it connects in a way that feels genuine. Whereas one week, maybe does not. You know, like the, here's what I remember about one week: uh, the the Sailor Moon line, <laughs> that cartoon that got the boom out of babes that make, babes me, think that make me think the wrong thing. Wrong thing. So here's the thing about that: I heard that and I was like, oh, these these, these folks are just like me. They saw Sailor Moon and thought, I want to be Sailor Moon. Oh, wait, no. No, that's not what they, that's not what they thought. That is not the wrong thing they were thinking. I, uh, yeah, that is definitely what my takeaway is when I, when I listen to that song, um, even to this day. Uh, but yeah, I think it's sort of interesting that, um, that song got as big as it did. I, I would ask you this, how much of that song's success would you attribute to the McGee video? I mean, it certainly didn't hurt, but I don't really think one week is is as uh, inextricable from its video the way that uh, the Fly video is or the All Star video is. 
I definitely like remember it pretty well. Like I watched, like I watched it going, I'm pretty sure I remember how this one goes and I was correct. Whereas I had a real, how did that <laughs> semi-charmed life video go? Oh, it's a, it's so weird because you would expect it to have a McG video, right? You would expect that, you know, it's a do, 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 do. Like this is like the exact kind of thing that would look like a Sugar Ray or a Smash Mouth video. And it's all like washed out and ugly and gray. I think, it, I mean, it looks like it's got the color grading of like Battlefield Earth. The guy who did the direction for that video had previously done the direction for the music video for one of my most hated pop songs of all time. I, I, I yes, but I'm not going to go ahead. Oh, you know what it is. It's is, sw- it's swallowed by Bush. No, I had no idea. I I don't. Have, have I we hate, had a I conversation about swallowed by Bush? Have we? Have we never talked about my? So like, I really no. I, I mean, like, this is very. No, I've quickly. never talked about swallowed by Bush to anybody. I swallowed. The thing is that six. So sixteen stone came out, and I may not particularly care for Bush, especially insofar as Gavin Brosdell writes lyrics. Uh, lyrics. Uh-huh. What a what a term to use for that <laughs> random fucking vomit that comes out of his brain. Uh, sorry, Gavin. Uh, but like, I at least could respect elements of what they were doing. Um, then Razorblade Suitcase came out, and Swallowed was the lead single, and it was the only remotely tolerable tolerable song on that album, and it was horrible. <laughs> it's, it's truly like I don't. I think we've discussed this, and you've said that you don't consider it to be a train record, but I certainly and- it stopped my interest in that band dead in its tracks, and I never liked them again. Uh, anyway, well, you know, so yes, but, but so, the so point is you don't think of life. Third Eye Blind as like a post grunge, angry, you know, like film scratches all over the video kind of band. No, and that's what like that, that that's basically only the video makes me think it is part of an an older tradition and not part of the new new brand of McGee rock. Yeah, I mean, it starts on that like satellite up in space and like it's, you know, it's it, it is meant to evoke like the MTV I dance, you know, all those classics, mm-hmm. those dan 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 like that's mm-hmm. what they're going for there. They've even said as much that that was the intention, but yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. It's not really memorable whereas one week it's very colorful. It's you know like like a king and queen, like shaking their fingers and stuff. And like those guys getting run around and dancing around like they're, you know, there's like a, there's a real big fish, mighty, mighty Boston's element of what's happening with them. There's like, they're like dancing and stuff, having a good time. Like, I don't know. I think that the video for me looms kind of large, just in the sense that it, it really reinforces the mood of the piece. (laughs) I mean, I can still picture Stephen Page's like, spiffy suit in my in my brain so i you know I, maybe i uh it had more impact than i realized and i can still see them doing the the slide over the dodge charger or dukes of hazard style so i i guess there's something there it's it's, but a, it's, it's interesting you, you bring up smash mouth and i would say that if you were going to ever pair one week against something other than what you chose mm-hmm. i mean it, it would have had to have been because like it's like, stuff. yeah, like it truly like it's been and somebody those are like, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? Like those are two. Once you say them, those songs are then stuck in your head for the next 10 billion years. Yeah, I, 
But then, then I would have nothing to pair off smooth by Santana, which is what we did. And I remember. Have, uh, Go back and listen blood. to that episode. What a great one. Yeah. And uh, who would have semi-charmed life? It was like, like I said, the the thing that links these two songs, besides coming out at the same time and kind of sounding the same, is that they're just a flood of words. And for the bare naked ladies, it was because they they had the verses already. I mean, they had the chorus already, but they didn't have verses. And they said they were like, "What do we do? What do we do here? I can't figure out what what the rest of this song is." So they freestyled. And they were just like, "It's like, why don't we just do, do the stupid raps that we do in every uh, concert? Why don't we do those?" Yeah, so the thing to note about Bare Naked Ladies is that they had already had some degree of success by this point, although mostly mm-hmm. in Canada. A um, million dollars or whatever, that was already kind of out mm-hmm. in the world, I suppose, to a larger extent. But they'd been on the road, right? Like they started like very late 80s. So they had been in the biz of doing live shows for a really long time with with bands like Moxie Fruvis. And in fact, um, if I had a million dollars, Moxie Fruvis does backup vocals on that track, uh, which is the least surprising thing in the world to me. Uh, But, you know, yes, so they had this sort of live shtick that they bring to one week. And I think that that's probably, that could have either worked really well, which I think it does, but it's also like... uh, you know when a movie does too much improv and they keep it in because it seemed really funny on the day? Mm-hmm. It could have been like that. It really could have been that. And I don't think it is. Like, I think there's some stuff in there that, like, if we went line by line, we could say is cringy. I mean, there are, just through statistics, there's probably at least one because there's so goddamn many of them. That's right. Considering the fact that I don't think there's that many is a goddamn miracle. Yeah. Well, we did get some comments where I was like, Sailor Moon, she's, you know, however old she is, she's in school. Don't, yeah, I mean, yes, folks, have we have we seen the way that they drew people in the Japanese cartoons? I don't, like, they, yes, she's supposed to be like 14. <laughs> they don't, they draw that ass full grown. Like, I don't, like, I don't, like, I don't understand, like. I sure, I guess, but like, can we all just be adults here and acknowledge that they, <laughs> they, they, they drew those women to be women and not children? Like, they could have done it in a different way. They, they didn't. You know, I watched Sailor Moon because I wanted, because like Sailor Moon was a bumbling idiot in the Deke translations and would like eat a lot of food and get trapped in a giant tennis ball. And I was like, that's me. Uh, but I understand oh. why, you know, there was a certain eroticism around them it's not like it's not a fucking mystery yeah well i don't know you said that thing it was like i heard that sailor moon line and i was like this is about me and <laughs> i'm sure there were tons of nerds who listened to one week and even though that's a song about fucking nothing there were people who heard that and was like this is a song about me for me and not just you know because you know they had boners for sailor moon Right. Well, but there wasn't a lot of because they made a reference to Sailor Moon at all. Pop culture like, references in pop music, I don't think were really that common at the time, right? Like that, like no. I so to me at that point, it's like Filk and Bare Naked Ladies. End of list. Like you know, and then like yeah, full comedy albums, like things that are just specifically comedy albums. But even then, I feel like a lot of that stuff comes a little bit later. This was like. Right at the moment where like nerd culture really started to be a thing, I feel like started to permeate the the general zeitgeist. Yeah, 
like I mean, this is like, you know, we've already had Clerks and Scream and all these meta movies. And it, at this point, it's starting to bleed into the music also. Yes. Let's like, all just be grateful that one week didn't have a lyric about shouldn't the shouldn't Luke have felt bad about blowing up the Death Star because they were freelancers working on it. Oh, man. That is a, a, a thing that it's so typically 90s. Kevin Smith and the Bare Naked Ladies. They feel like they they feel like of a type, you know? They do. You know, I was going to say uh, there's a couple of. So, all right. The other quick thing to know about the song one week is that it was from the very end of the process. They had essentially mm-hmm. done the rest of the album and then they came up with this song, put it down in a very basic demo and sent it along thinking it's not very good. It'll be a B side. And when their rep at the label came back and said, this is your lead single. They thought it was a joke. It seems like it should be a joke. Like I'm amazed that I know, like I'm a fan and I'm amazed that I know any other bare naked ladies song than this song. I'm surprised this song didn't end them. I mean, I think it seems like it should. I, you know, uh, it's really hard to judge it now. Right. It's very hard to, you know, to look back and truly like pretend like wipe my mind of the last like 20, 30 years. Um, it's, I guess, I guess, you know, what's really interesting is that, um, Paul McCartney apparently had something really nice to say about the bare naked ladies. Really? Yes. Uh, um, where I want to like bring it up and read the, uh, the line just cause I thought like, wow. Oh, really, yeah. Yeah. Really freaking bring that. I, I, I didn't uh, heard that. Let's see. In a strange, strangely bizarre twist. What is this? This is from far magazine.co.uk. I don't know if this is the original place. Uh, here mm-hmm. we go. Um, a lot of the bands today are much more technical than we were, McCartney said, according to journalist Ian Halperin. But the Bare Naked Ladies have to be my favorites. Their harmonies are right on. They could outsing us any day of the week. I don't wow. think John and myself ever had the sort of range they do. What? That's, Crazy. That's, that's wild nuts. to me. So that that's the thing be. that got said, apparently. And of course, Bare Naked Ladies, the song one week appeared in a, 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 an episode of Lasagna Cat. I, I assume you're reading this all next to the like two equally important things. I mean, there are two notes that I made. I was like, what are things relevant to my interests? Yeah, the yeah. opinions of a beetle, lasagna cat, end of list. The two genders. You take know, a, I take will a say drink. This. That's, a, that's a new song for the song. You know, you will. I will say this. I don't think the Beatles could uh, do one week. Like it, it's very hard to even cover one week. There's there's so many. Like I, I always kind of like am amazed when they get to the part about the finding the better clubs, you know, the finding with tiny nubs. Like I can't even do it now, and I've been trying to karaoke this song for decades now. And like I hear the multi-track that thing. I was like, how did you did you guys do this together more than once? Like apparently they I, they say it's really easy to do when they do it live. They say it's a walk in the park. I I don't believe that at all. I can't get through that fucking clubs with nubs. The rhythm's very hard. I think what's interesting about I look, I think the reason why it's as easy as it is is again because they built up that pattern from the late eighties onward. So yeah, <laughs> I would hope at this point it was pretty easy if you're you know you say karaoke. I understand that you do you for a while did karaoke very regularly. Would mm-hmm. you say that you did karaoke as much as the bare naked ladies played stadiums? No. Arenas, I, clubs. I, I gather they have 
had many, many years to perfect their craft. What they do, they are very good. They are very good at what they do. I don't know why I said that in a weird way. You know, it's funny because Stephen Page is not in the band anymore. No, he isn't. He hasn't been for a very long time. And, you know, the... So but he wasn't really the, responsible for the rapidy rap, you know. I, I, I guess that's fair. That's uh, that's Ed's deal. The other guy. Yes, the guy the guy who stuck around. The, I mean, it's really interesting to read uh, Ed talking about the, the split up of the of, of them and, and, and Steve and being like, hey, I gotta... Deciding to move on. It's like very... It's sad. I don't even, it's weird. Yeah. Cause like, like, you know, I don't have strong feelings about the bare naked ladies, but they seem like such nice guys that that seems sad. I don't know. I, I fell off with them after they, they released one bad single that I didn't like something about chimpanzees or something. I was like, this is too stupid for me. I, I think I'm done with this band. Good memories. And then I, but then I remember it was like, and then Steven page got arrested for drug use. I'm like, what? And it's like, and then they kicked him out of the band. And I was like, Man, there are bands that I am okay with finding out that they're like a mess behind the scenes, but a, the Bare Naked Ladies were not one of them. Well, I, I mean, look, maybe that's true. I cert, certainly at this point they described it as a mutual agreement. I don't know how true that actually is, but like I don't know. Like I've always gotten the sense that there's a lot of bad blood there. Like I couldn't, I couldn't say. Um, I will say that there, you know, who had a lot of bad blood was members of Third Eye Blind. Oh boy. There's a lot of that. Um, and wh- why don't we use that as an excuse to sort of launch to the comparison? Because what a difference. Um, you know, to me, Bare Naked Ladies feels, by the time you get to this point, and I think probably were for a very long time, this uniform group of people all working towards a common goal. Third Eye Blind is was, at least in the beginning, one guy, right? There wasn't a band. It was mm-hmm. just Stephen Jenkins coming up with ideas – um, you know, coming up with demos of, of stuff and semi charm life is one of the very first of those. Uh, I think probably one of the most interesting facts about that song early on in its gestation is that there was a woman who I guess lived close by who was also a songwriter and, uh, he had her come over so that he could play it for her. And then she played a song of hers the woman in question is Linda Perry. Oh, wow. The song is Four Non Blondes, What's Up? Oof. That's right. That's my least favorite pop song of the I, 90s. I know how you feel about that song. That is a, that's I, my I don't, I don't feel that way about that song at all, but I know that that's a pretty common uh, opinion. But Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not the only one. But, but yeah, uh, I think it's interesting that that's sort of where the world was musically as far as what was gestating at the time. And yeah, he really wanted to just get a couple of people together that gelled with him so that he could be, you know, band leader, famous guy, you know. And he was, by the time they'd hit success in his 30s, and that's, I think it's pretty uncommon um, to be, weird to say that old since I'm much older than that now, but like, that was not common. Certainly, that is the story that has been told many times that he was a little long on the tooth and had been trying to get somewhere for a really long time. You know, not a full Grandma Moses situation, but the likelihood of him finding success was not huge at the time. Um, but what happened was he happened to get a string of folks together that had the right energy and the right sound. 
And there were people that were kind of looking for a blend ship of the alt rock that was, you know, distorted, a little angry, but not too much, and pop rock, something that was somehow both at the same time, right? Threading what I think at the time probably felt like a somewhat impossible needle. And then Stephen Jenkins came along and was exactly that, right? Semi Charm Life has got all these really dark lyrics. But it's also do 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 do. You know, it's like it's like an mbop in those parts. You know, although obviously it's 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 more um it's a credit it's credited to being um you know do 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 do. Oh right, uh yeah. People uh say uh walk on the wild side by Lou Reed is the the inspiration. Well, they've even they've even admitted that. Yeah. To an extent. I mean, certainly that's that's not that's to the extent where you'd have to put Lou Reed's name. No, in the credits, no, no, no. But, but but, you know, but Jenkins is a is a fan. Right. It has right. never pretended to not be. So there's some interesting stuff about that period. The wildest of which, by the way, is who Stephen Jenkins was dating at the time. I know this is not relevant to the song per se, but it's so wild that if you don't know, you have to know. That he was dating Charlize Theron before she got famous? What? For three years they dated. Three years. What? And future then, Oscar winner, future Atomic Blonde, Charlize Theron. I couldn't find any interview. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a scummy thing to do. I was totally trying to find interviews where they talked about each other and came up empty. Um, <laughs> and huge respect to both of them for that. Um, That's amazing. But- the closest thing I found was Charlie Theron talking about the fact that she had just had like two big relationships in a row. And it was like two, like 2010 or 2011 where she basically was like, I was with a guy for three years. I was with another guy for 10 years. This is the first time I've been single in my entire adult life. I'm going to enjoy it for a little while. Um, but that she was a real serial monogamist. And the interesting thing about um, Stephen Jenkins, as and we'll talk about this, I guess, a little bit later, is that um, – the person he dated immediately after Charlize Theron is Vanessa Carlton. Yeah, I did know that one. I was like, I was about to pull that. I was like, am I imagining that? I was like, no, that's a no, thing that happened. That happened. So he dated Vanessa Carlton yeah. and, and helped produce two of her albums. And in point of fact, um, her third album, he produced all and wrote songs alongside with Linda Perry. I just my, fun oh, trivia. I don't like my I, if, personal I, if I go down this rabbit hole, the listeners are going down that rabbit hole with me. My personal favorite, amazing, random thing about Stephen Jenkins and what he was doing in this time period before Third Eye Blind blew up was that he started producing. He created an R&B group called The Braids and he was producing, uh, you know, these white R&B singers up in the Bay Area and they had a UK R&B hit with an R&B cover of Bohemian Rhapsody, which I cannot recommend that you go listen to enough because <laughs> it, this is one of these things that should just not exist. He's it, an interesting he's an interesting guy. I don't you know, I've listened now I, to some of the stuff that he's produced. I wouldn't say that he necessarily hits my sensibilities when he's producing other people's stuff, per se. Mm-hmm. I've like I listened to the second and third Vanessa Carlton records, and I think that they're compositionally sound and I actually find the production is part of the problem with some of that stuff. I, again, Stephen Jenkins, if you're listening, I apologize. This is just a matter of taste. It's not me calling you a bad producer. Um, 
but he did have some control over um, their records, Third Eye Blind records. He was one of the producers on the self-title, especially since a lot of the tracks were, you know, picked for, off of the the demo stuff that they were putting out, you know. And that's sort of the big thing, I feel like, is that if we're talking about the album as a whole, it's great. If we're talking about Semi-Charmed Life, it's also great. You could make an argument that it is even the best track on the song, uh, on, the, on the album. I, I don't know that I would agree. It's certainly up there. But what I really like about it is that there are elements of the demo and then elements of how they grew the song out. So it's really layered, right? Like there's a drum loop that's in there. And there's, I think there's some other loopy kind of stuff in there, but then there's a lot of real actual instruments and they use both at the same time. And because it's not a complicated song from a, 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 from a, a chord kind standpoint, of right? Like it's just the... Uh, just the three chords, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just... That's it. That's literally, that's, yeah. you know, like there's one spot where they do like a D to, to a, a C9 and then eventually, you know, back to the usual. So that should be boring, right? Three chords mm-hmm. the whole way through pretty much should be a boring ass song. Not fucking great, fucking outstanding song. Why? Uh, I do think that the 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 lyrics are good. They're interesting. Um, and, you know, I, I think I enjoyed without having the lyrics in front of me trying to figure out what he was saying in certain places, certainly when I first heard the song. But also, yeah, there's just like all these great layers. There's a great drum line. The bass is great. It's just a cool sounding song. And even though um, Vanessa Carlton's first hit, A Thousand Miles, is not produced by him, I found myself comparing the two just because the way that that song is layered is a part of what makes it so great. And I think that the same can be said of Semi Charm Life is that there's just all of these little things that kind of weave in. Like they'll, there's a lead line that I think is like, I don't know, maybe just some D's and stuff. There's maybe like a phase or a, like a wah pedal being used. And it's just, I think, in the second verse and then it goes away. But it's enough to create a variance in the song so that you never get bored of the fact that it's three chords. Well, I mean, like he's always said is like I was inspired by hip hop. Uh, I love hip hop. I'm going to get on Spin Magazine and say a lot of really cringy things about how much I love hip hop. Don't look up that article, by the way. You know, like hip hop doesn't really worry if it has like a bridge or, you know, it's usually the same beat through the rest of the song. So that's that makes sense to me. Like when you have that many words, I don't know, Like there's a it's almost R.E.M. ish, I guess. I feel like it's the end of the world as we know it is probably the uh, the most obvious antecedent to semi-charmed life. And I don't really think it has that much to do with one week, even though I created this matchup because semi-charmed life is like. It's still part of that alt rock tradition where this is about something real, this is serious. This is, you know, did you know it's about crystal meth? Did you? Did you? Yes, literally everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is that any... it's it's of a piece, right? Like right. that's the thing is, you know, when you listen to Stunt, there are serious songs, but because one week is kind of goofy and it and it's such a lead off for that album. It makes the rest of the album kind of feel a certain way, even when they are being more serious. It still kind of feels silly. And again, like, yeah, I do think Steve's voice sort of lends to that. Uh, but 
Semi Charm Life is the third track on that, and like, good grief, like the the songs, like the just even just the first six songs, losing a whole year, narcolepsy, Semi Charm Life, Jumper, Graduate, and How's It Gonna Be? I can't think of a lot of albums from that entire decade that have that level of consistency. Every single one of those songs is absolutely outstanding, and they're all pretty serious. Like, yes, like Semi Charm Life has the doot doot doots, but I don't. I think other than keeping it like upbeat and fun to sing, I don't think that that causes it to become somehow so light that it feels meaningless or not serious. Do you know what I mean? Well, like I said, there's a lot of ideas in that song. I mean, not just the constant rapping, but also there's like, I feel like two bridges, something like that. It, it, it slows down. It speeds back up. Is it, there's like seven different hooks. Goodbye. Well, yeah. And, I mean, like there's even where, you know, there's a, uh, I cheated as I occasionally do. Um, Rick, mm-hmm. Be- Rick Beato did a great, um, breakdown of this entire song and he talked about how there's a certain almost dissonance quality to where he sings like what notes he's singing versus what the chords are so like he basically makes a lot of ninths um which makes it sound kind of unresolved in places so that you're still waiting to get that resolution it's sort of like a like a delayed gratification that he's very good at uh uh, establishing Stephen Jenkins. And also he does that thing where like he, I want something else. Like that little, like going up and down a half step, right? Like that's very specific to him. I don't want to say no one else has ever done it, but it's certainly a thing that I associate with him. And it really adds something to the song. The the part that uh, knocks me out is uh, during the, the breakdown where he's like, I want something else. Oh yeah. That's killer. That's amazing. If only I could write songs like that, write melodies like that, switch it up like that. That's that's so good. I fucking love this song. It's, I can I can do this one at karaoke very well for the. Re- I yeah I, I kind of want to yeah. next day next time we do karaoke you and I I think we should do just a bunch of third eye blind songs. <laughs> like well, why fuck third around? Bl- <laughs> I can't do any of the other third eye blind songs because uh, they're not in my range. Really? Yeah, I think you could do. How's it going to be? I'll do the I'll do the upper register stuff, and you do the the standard. <laughs> I, I I actually really like. That's what one of the things that I really liked about Third Eye Blind is that um, a lot of those songs. How's it going to be? Being the I think like the 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 biggest one that jumps out at me as an example of this is that it's very easy to harmonize with him. Like he's really built his lyrics in such a way that like you can just add a harmony track pretty much the whole way through. I mean, you would want to do that. That'd be overkill, but like. When you're singing along, you don't have to sing exactly what he's singing at that same note. You can sing mm-hmm. up or down, and it kind of makes the song more fun to to sing. I don't know. There's just something about it. Maybe this is specific to me, but I like listening to How's It Gonna Be specifically because I can harmonize with him the whole way through. Uh, man, Third Eye Blind was I, – I was like, they had so much potential. Why weren't they like the biggest band in the world? But it's like I don't remember people taking them that seriously. I, you know, here, like those, if you were into them, you were into them. Here's a weird, here's a weird, so I've saw, I saw them in concert multiple times. Here's the thing that I found myself realizing, um, which we've talked about in the past, people have gotten annoyed by this. It's not meant as an insult, but 
you know, if you look, when we talk about stuff that I grew up really loving, you know, I always talk about like when it's the nineties, it's always a lot of like women singers, right. Or, or women led groups. So like, uh, garbage and no doubt Fiona Apple, like, you know, a lot of stuff that sort of is, yeah. Like it's a lot of women singers for reasons that are not at all surprising. And then third eye blind. <laughs> and what I realized when I was thinking about that is I was like, who else listen to third eye blind like who else was it that was in my friend group all women all women really yes in my friend group in my you know i mean again this is you know this may end up being just specific to me um but because stephen jenkins was hella pretty um i think that and also the music was good i, I mean think he wasn't that, a bad looking he was a better looking than rob thomas i guess but yes 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 he was but uh yeah i think that it was one of those groups that might have gotten um, insulted, right? Like it was a, like people like, oh, it's a chick group. It's a group that chicks like. You know how people are stupid? You know how people are idiots and they go, I can't get into this music because I see girls like it. And if girls like something, it must be bad. That meant that, that classic 90s mentality. I think there was a degree of that. That's my suspicion. I don't know. I think semi charm life made them seem a little lightweight is I, I remember yes. people thinking of them as, as lightweights because they were, you know, a mainstream rock band would be like, say, you know, being big, being really big into Maroon five or something. Oh God. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I can't really like, that's like saying to me, like, it's like VH1 man, rock be, being into third eye blind is like being into train. Like, why would you, how dare you? <laughs> I don't mean, care like, if anybody from train is listening. You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people who shouldn't rap. Why, yeah. um, I don't know. That's how I remember them being perceived at the time. Like if you were into like the smashing pumpkins, then you were serious. But if you are the Foo Fighters, but if you were into third eye blind, like what, what are you even doing? That's like wuss rock. I guess. But, I don't but, know. But, but like, but like the people who were into them were into them. And like they, to this day, they were never like the most respected band of their time, but like people who were into them then are into them now in a very serious way. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, for me, I think what's interesting is that I loved them so much and there are some tracks off of blue, which is their, their sophomore album that I like. And then I fell off of them. Now I think part of that is not necessarily that the albums were not good. However, um, the third album out of the vein came out in 2003. And by that point in time, um, we'd hit the Napster age and I was, you know, obsessively trying to listen to as much music as I could, as different kind of a music as I could. And so third eye blind, while I still had a, a fondness for them, I was really busy trying to branch out, listen to music that, didn't sound like anything else I'd listened to before. So I just wasn't paying as much attention to them. And I imagine that a lot of groups that had found success and in the mainstream classic way of going through the, the system probably started to lose some degree of popularity in the early two thousands as people started to, especially people in their twenties started seeking stuff that was more off the beaten path because it was available because everything was available. Yeah. Like, Third Eye Blind was always just a little too mainstream to uh, be cool to listen to versus Bare Naked Ladies, which were, you know, such proud nerds 
that they had all that nerd cred. So I think it was a little easier to say that you were in a fan of these lame nerds than it was Third Eye Blind. Yeah, I think, that, were, I think that's right. Because the thing is that, you know, um, certainly Stephen Jenkins sees Third Eye Blind as being a, an alt rock band, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree. However, I do think that in a weird way that in particular Semi-Charmed Life, because it has the doot-doot-doots to it, I think it kind of worked against them because it got so much radio play and because it, it does have this very poppy element that, you know, it was easy for them to become kind of a, a joke, right? Like, right. just like, uh, you know, uh, to, to bring back Vanessa Carlton, right? Like, A Thousand Miles is a great song, but man, it's the white chick song, isn't it? Like, right. it's always going to have that. And I think that there are, like, Third Eye Blind would appear in, like, American Pie, Can't Hardly Wait, stuff like that. So I think that they just started to get a vibe around them that I don't necessarily think is automatically in the songs themselves, right? Like, I mean, losing a whole year apparently at one point was called losing a whole beer because somebody, really? like, yes, they dropped out of, like somebody, they were working on it and they they dropped a, the beer and the beer dripped out and they sang it as losing a whole beer, which is pretty funny. I mean, that's what happens when I have alcohol. Uh, My permanent accessory. But uh, yeah, I just I think that their stuff is pretty serious in actuality uh, and is, I don't know, pretty hard in places now. I, I would say like losing a whole year, um, some of the graduate. The, yeah, graduate for sure. And I think a lot of the stuff in the in the in the sort of like the th- like like three quarters of the way through gets kind of heavier. It's the stuff I actually like the least, but like. It only starts to get mellow again after the background, right? It's like the background, motorcycle drive by, and God of Wine are, are all kind of pretty chill. But I feel like I want you is 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 a, is a louder tune. Like I don't know. I think people maybe see them in a way that's not entirely accurate. Would be my yeah, argument. I mean, like I, they, I'm, def- I'm spending a lot of time defending Third Eye Blind. <laughs> I don't know. You uh, even today you you say Third Eye Blind, and it's 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 a little bit of a joke. Like w- what year is it? Like. The 90s called They Want Their Band Back. I love them. I love them forever. I mean, like, you know, there's stuff. I mean, well, sometimes when I, I, I look back on stuff, you know, um, as a, a, from a critical place, you know, like I remember um, there's stuff of a blue I liked. I remember liking Wounded when it came out, which is the second track off that album. But now I listen back to it and like the, the opening lyrics of that song are um, the guy who put his hands on you has got nothing to do with me. And the bruises oh, that yeah, you feel right. will heal. And I hope you'll come around because they're missing you. And it's like, hey, I know that this was a song that you wrote being like trying to get somebody to come out of their shell after they'd faced something terrible. But boy, does it sound like you're centering their abuse around yourself, right? Like a little bit. And so it becomes cringy and uh, in hindsight. And I do think that if you look at his lyrics, because he talks so much, um, because there are so many lyrics in his songs, they have a, you know, sometimes they're great, but like once he gets off on a tear that is not something that you connect with, boy, you're really not going to connect with it. Whether uh, it's like he- whether it's like cringe in the modern sense or not, if you're not connecting with what he's saying, you're really not connecting with it. Nothing I have ever heard about Stephen Jenkins, and I love uh, that first album. I love his music, but nothing I've ever heard about him 
has made me think that I'd ever want to like be around him for any length of time. Oh, and I am the exact opposite. Like <laughs> I get it. I get it. I understand the criticisms. I, let me tell you something, Stephen Jenkins, if you're listening to this podcast, I want you on our show. <laughs> I want you to make a mixtape of music for me to listen to. And then I want to interview about the mixtape you made. That's what I want to do. Um, I would love to talk to Stephen Jenkins about music. I think that he would probably say a lot of things that I agree with and a lot of shit that just confounds the hell out of me, and I want it. Uh, I mean, it, Semi-Charmed Life is the better song. It, 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 it means something a little more to me than uh, One Week does. And, you know, stuff like Sailor Moon references did mean quite a bit to me when I was a kid. I literally have a bunch of Sailor Moon finger, figures in the background right now. <laughs> oh, so you do. Um, yep. Is uh, yep. It's the, the, the core sensuera hanging around my, uh, Ashley Williams, uh, chainsaw hand. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> and my cat's VHS. Why do you have cats on VHS? Well, I saw that it was in my parents' basement a while ago and I was like, <laughs> yoink mine. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with anything. Um, yeah. very quickly before we do the, the questions, uh, I have seen, I think precisely one person saying that they were looking forward to hearing me do a cat song out of one of these. Didn't do it. Let me tell you why. Um, I'm lazy. But really, it's <laughs> it's not going to happen every episode. I think if it did, it would get annoying fast. Um, and also, Don't force you know, it. I got I to gotta feel it. I got to feel it in my bones. Like, I got to listen to a song and be like, my cat is hungry, and I got to write a song about that. You know, it's not going to happen every time. And it just, you know, it's not that these songs aren't great. It just didn't quite trigger that inside of me. This go around. Um, if deep you are inside also, of you? Yes, deep inside of me. Um, <laughs> if at some point, the other question was, you know, would I actually record full versions of songs? Um, the answer is, if I do a couple of them and it becomes a thing that people really like, then yes, maybe I'll sit down and record those things. But as of right now, the only people that are interested in that are myself and one person. And I want to tell you, I'm very grateful, but I feel like it's going to have to be a larger number of people than two <laughs> for me to do that. Um, all right. So you want to do the questions or do you feel like we're missing something from this? We've been talking for a while. Just one thing. Yes, sir. You mentioned the MP3 era kind of doing away with a uh, third eye blind. I have distinct MP3 era memories of both these bands. Interesting. I remember trying to download Pinch Me by the Bare Naked Ladies, and they put up a fake song. Well, it was the real song, but in the, right in the middle of it, they they yelled at me for uh, downloading a, a fake MP3. Oh, I love that. I um, you know, yeah. I wonder if that's. Uh, I, I mean, I wonder if you can still find that. It was definitely Pinch Me by the Bare Naked Ladies. I'm sure it's and, possible. It makes me think of the fact that, uh, you know, we know somebody, um, Brent Blackback, when he was still making CDs, I think it mm -hmm. was his second album. He had uh, a fake, he had a bunch of fake songs that he put out as like a fake thing to, for people to torrent or whatever it was at the time. And uh, one of them is me just talking for 10 minutes straight about nothing. Right. The other one, uh, I also downloaded Blinded by Third Eye Blind. That was their uh, lead single off their third album. And I listened to that over and over again. It was a, a fake one, too, where they uh, just kept repeating the first verse and then the chorus and then the first verse and then the chorus again. And I had no idea I was listening to the wrong version for years. I did not know it had a second or third verse. So you're a real sucker. Yes. Yes, I am. Anyway, here's four questions. All right, go ahead. Uh, we use these four questions in order to actually like sort of 
circle the wagons based on all the garbage we've talked for the first 10 million years. Uh, all right, question number one, historical question, I suppose, uh, a question for the culture. Uh, one of these songs is going to disappear. Poof. Alakazam, abracadabra, it's gone. David Copperfield, I made it. It and the Statue of Liberty are now gone. And one of these songs is going to stick around uh, because it has to. Uh, for the culture, Todd, which one, which one of these songs must persist? I think it's got to be Summer Charm Life. Because I, actually, no, I don't know, actually. I think it's, see, all right, so here's the deal. I love Semi Charm Life. I love it very much. Uh, I think it's a great song. They're so mad. I mean, what happens without One Week? Because the thing is, without One Week, Bare Naked Ladies doesn't really crack, right? They don't really become mm-hmm. the worldwide sensation. They do, I think, probably ultimately remain the Canadian sensation forever. They they right. become they become Moxie Fruvis Plus and not really much more mm-hmm. than that. And that just seems like a bummer, right? Because it feels like mm-hmm. the world's missing out. Because Bare Naked Ladies is fun, upbeat, makes you happy. Like, they're goofy, but, like, that's good. The world needs that. So I don't know. For the happiness of mankind, I might have to pick One Week, even though it's not the song that I like the most. One Week is very important to the amassing of nerd culture and internet culture, I think. Oh, you've just talked me out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Now it's semi-charmed life. You've just, you've literally (laughs) just talked me out of it, the... Nerd culture is, I don't know, is like too, the, it's too big. It's too much. I always thought the like the for the culture question was like which one would have like the least effect on oh, the world. Oh, huh? It's like hmm. in the sense that it's like maybe you don't want to go back in time to kill Hitler because you don't know what is going to happen. Kind of is like which one would leave the world intact and not butterfly effect and ruin the world that you know so well. Todd, I'm killing Hitler. That's that's just that's just right <laughs> out. Just to make it very clear, I'm killing Hitler. Um, All right. I don't I don't know what the consequences are, and I don't care if someone's like <laughs> you can kill Hitler. There's not a lot of thought that's going. I'm pressing that button. Actually, that's not good enough for me. I'm beating the shit out of him, and then letting him come back so I can do that over and over. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. The point is. Um, Man, what we I, what way I view, off. What I, yep, here we go. So when I view it, it's 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 more like, oh, like what would the world be like without like, or I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't know what I mean when I say but for the culture. I just mean which one's more important I for the culture. Maybe I'm just using. I don't know. I, like wrong. these are these these two songs are like neck and neck. I'm not I'm not sure how I'd answer that. Fair enough. Okay. Question number two. Uh, you could be you could be in the room. You can watch the creation of the music, but you could do the whole thing uh, for one and only one of these songs. Which which is the one that you want to see the sausage get made? Probably one week. Those guys were fun back when they were a fun band. I mean, look back before everything fell out, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I, it, just, it, it just seems like it'd be more fun to hang out with the bare naked ladies and see them try and rap. I listen. Here's the thing. I desperately want to be in the room when Stephen Jenkins and Linda Perry play songs to each other. That just sounds too <laughs> fucking cool. That sounds. I can't pass that up. I know that most people um, hate that for non-blonde song. I don't feel that way. And it's and, not and, most and, people. And, and, it's and just also, the people that do hate it intensely. Here's the very thing. Much though. Undeniably true. Linda Perry has written an awful lot of fucking hit singles for people over the right. years. So the idea of the two of them being in a room, I would count that as part of the journey. Part of the creation of Semi-Charm Life would be him playing that song for Linda Perry and her playing something back. 
I want to see that. That just sounds too fucking cool. I can't, I can't miss out on that. So for me, it's semi-charm life. Question number three, Megan Thee Stallion. We'll get up to some hot girl shit. That's what she does. She's got a playlist before she's going to go out. She's got to make sure that she's in the mood. She's got to get in the mode of hot girl shit. She's going to have one and only one of these two songs on that mixtape. Todd, I, I, I bring to you a question once again. Which one of these songs now and forever is hot girl shit? Can't wait. I literally cannot wait because I have no idea where we're going. Man, this, this is a good matchup because it's so hard to pick. You know what? Megan the Stallion is an anime fan. That's exactly what I was going to say. That is the first thing that occurred to me. She loves her that anime. So I guess it would have to be one week. Like I'm going to make that the tiebreaker because I think you can get to some hot girl shit to semi-charmed life. I agree, but yeah, I mean, like, Megan Thee Stallion is a boom anime, babe, that makes me think the wrong thing. <laughs> and by that, I mean, I want to be her. But, you know, um, yeah, I guess that's it. I guess this is how it's going to have to be. Now and forever, one week, it's been hot girl shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. As it ever. Here we go for the fourth and final question, not only the most important question we ask on this show, but the most important question in the whole of human creation. William Shatner, thespian, astronaut, singer, singer. He's going to do a theatrical acting presentation, a Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs, Todd. Which one of these songs must be shot upon? Like, okay, whichever one I pick here, it's going to get him, it's going to take him like eight hours to get through either song. Yeah, it kind of feels like the answer is please don't, Bill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I'm going to inflict it on someone else, I kind of want to go with one week. One week really coming out ahead in the four question zone. Um, yeah, I think you're probably, I don't, but the thing is that like, one find week a set is, of better clubs, is, you know. Find the kind with tiny nubs. Here's the question. Can he make it spooky and creepy and unpleasant? I think he can. And that makes it win, right? Because it's fun. And like, you know, it's just like with Mr. Tambourine Man. Like, I just need him to be screaming like some lyric from that the way that he did. Mr. Tambourine Man! Like, I need that. Uh, On the other hand, on the bridge or the, the breakdown for Third Eye Blind, I think he could put some real pathos in that. I believe in the sand beneath my toes. That's true. Gives That's an true. Feeling. But we're not. I believe in the faith that grows. Oh, hmm. the four right chords can make me cry. And when, when I'm with you, you, I feel, feel like, like I could die. die. <laughs> that would be all right. all right. Oh man, the four right chords, but there's only three. Yeah, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Well, no, there's an A minor in there. Where? Um, when he's doing the goodbye, the, not not the high pitched one, the, the 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 regular one where he's going. Goodbye. Right there. You sure? Yeah. I don't think that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's an A minor. I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't think there's any chords there. It's a cappella. The, the chords drop out. Nope, friend. I promise you. No, no. I've been I, playing this song on guitar for a very long time, and it's. Well, I've been playing it on piano for a very long time. Anyway. That didn't sound right to me at all. I, I disagree. Well, you're wrong. When it comes to this stuff, you're always wrong. <laughs> I love you. You're incorrect. Uh, yeah, there's an A minor, so that's the fourth chord. All right. In search of the fourth chord, 
In Search of the Lost Chord. That's a Moody Blues album. Enjoy. Yes. Let's see. what We got to get through these comments. I know. This is a long episode. Sorry, everybody. You should have known. When there were this many people voting <laughs> that we were going to go off. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. Violet Esposito writes, I was dating a narcissist around the time that One Week came out, and he would laugh and say that the song explained himself perfectly. Ruined the already annoying song for me. What could that possibly mean? What indeed? I'm well, so confused. <laughs> Who oh, maybe, listens maybe to that like, song and goes like, that's me. It me. Hold on. The, maybe there's a part about how he's the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral. That's not great. Not great. Not making it better. <laughs> no, that now that we know, actually, now, now that we know, it's actually much worse. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, I'm assuming that's what it is. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. No. Yeah. Thank you for your comment. No. <laughs> I'm the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral. Can't understand you know, what I mean. An you asshole. soon will. <laughs> oh, that really Make, makes that the Shatner one, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Sorry. Go ahead. Continue. All right. Gavin Daphne King writes, one week is my karaoke staple. Yes, I am that person, and I'm very sorry. You what do you have to apologize that? for? Everyone loves it when someone tries to do one week at the karaoke bar. Here's the deal. Karaoke, to me, has a very specific goal. And that is to make sure that at least, at least one of the songs that you do is one that everyone's going to sing with you. Everyone's going to sing that dumbass song. And therefore, it, it has to be sung at karaoke. If you don't sing it at karaoke, what's wrong with you? If someone in your group mm-hmm. isn't doing that song at karaoke, you are in a bad friend group and get out of it. Alina writes, not you, Alina, a different oh, Alina. Okay. Great. Alina writes, listening to Semi-Charm Life made me feel so nostalgic that I started thinking I should vote for it. But then I heard the galloping hoofs of the Mounties coming to deport me, so I'm doing my patriotic duty instead. It's true. If you're Canadian, yeah. you gotta. You simply gotta. Yes, that is what I understand from uh, watching pro wrestling. The Canadians always root for other Canadians. Paul T. writes, the real question is, can we get Max from Eve Six to weigh in on the tw- on the Twitters? I wish. <laughs> that sounds great. Weigh in. It doesn't matter if it happens after the fact. We will bring it up in whatever episode that we do afterwards and spend a very obnoxiously long period of time discussing it. You know, I, I've I've certainly seen Max talking shit about uh, Stephen Jenkins on Twitter. I'm he's got to have some bare naked lady stories too. I, I who knows? Probably tell him. Come on the podcast. All right. <laughs> All right. David Mazur writes, I'm sorry, but I can't vote for a song that could have conceitably had another verse about Tamagotchis eating some string cheese, the masters of the universe. That feels like an actual verse that does exist. String cheese, I, I think you sold me, David. <laughs> Write that verse yourself. Yeah, I'm surprised that there aren't other versions of this song that are just not parodies, but just continuations. <laughs> You know, like just in, in the way that people always say they want to do uh, like another verse of We Didn't Start the Fire. All right. Michael Murphy writes, I had to go with one week because while Bare Naked Ladies has never made any promises to take themselves seriously or their music, Stephen Jenkins is pouring his heart out over cocaine and blowjobs. That's crystal meth. Yes. No, no, there's uh, I'm sure there's also cocaine in there, but. Is there? Maybe, I don't know. There's definitely crystal meth. That's Oh, that's, yeah, I was taking sips of it through my nose, and I wish I could get it back there. Okay, yes, there is cocaine. Jacob Eilson writes, One week is a shit lyric. 
But Semi-Charmed Life reads like someone tried to do that thing where if you just keep writing, you'll supposedly access your unconscious mind. And as it turns out, this guy's unconscious mind is both boring and gross. Eh, don't know that I agree. <laughs> I, don't know. I do think that that's definitely what he, what he was doing, but I don't know that I agree that that was the result. You know, it's a funny thing. Like, we were, we were talking about how hating Swallowed and, and What's Up. I think most people like Semi-Charmed Life and One Week, but the people who don't like it really don't like it. For both songs. All right. One last one. Zoe Neeson writes, I got to go with one week because in college, my buddy wrote my buddy wrote up a lyric by lyric analysis of that song, trying to tie it to obscure philosophical concepts. This was not for a class. Oh, I saw that comment. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. So do I. That's the point of college. That means that you're doing college right. That's what college is supposed to be about. Oh, uh, it's like the second I read that, I was like, this is uh, like my favorite story that I'm going to hear on the, on this show. Truly, that is the most bare naked ladies way you could respond to a bare naked ladies song. I feel like this is a song by nerds for nerds. I agree. I agree. All right. All right. The results. The results. Who do you think won? I mean, it's going to be bare naked ladies, right? Like they're too they're too beloved. Right. I think especially, you know, if we're. But like I said, people love Third, Third Eye Blind also. Here's what I'm going to say. Uh, my theory is thus. It's been a long pandemic, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> people be looking for stuff to make them feel better. And I just think that uh, one of these songs is actually like mostly goofy and upbeat, except for the can't understand what I mean. You soon will. That's weird. <laughs> but otherwise, it's it's pretty goofy and fun and happy and, and positive. So I feel like it's going to come ahead because of that. Well, semi-charmed life gets me through my semi-charmed life. I It puts me in a good mood. Yeah, I don't know that we're in the minority. I just, I mean, yes, as, as established, we both think that that's the better of the two songs. But I don't know that that's right. how it's going to work out. All right. Sometimes well, sometimes our fan base is wrong. In sometimes their they're very wrong. <laughs> sometimes but, opinions are wrong. Anyway. Let's right. go. And like I said, we got so many votes for this. This has got to be the most votes we've ever gotten. We we cracked four fig- figures here of votes for a total of 526 to 478 out of 1,004 votes for a 52.3 to 47.5% split. The winner is one week. A very, very slim win. I feel like even... Whoever won, it should have been close. So I'm pretty satisfied with this. I am dissatisfied, but here's the thing. If I try to push, it's only going to make people hate me (laughs) and semi-charm life more. So, you know, I still think that's unjust. I still think, um, Stephen Jenkins, if you're listening to this podcast, come on and do an episode, a bonus episode with me. Um, We'd love to talk to you about music. And sorry if we said anything bad. I don't think we did. Stephen Jenkins... I think that it's okay. Some people are not yeah. going to like every single thing that you say and do. That's all right. It was not two weeks till I said I was sorry. Wow. There you go. All, all right. right. All right. So you're telling me, see, all right. Now here's the thing. Here's usually when you say what the next episode is, man, I want to kind of sneak in right here and, and say that it should be um, because we ended up talking about Vanessa Carlton so much. It makes me want to do a thousand miles versus everywhere by Michelle branch. Is that the Michelle branch song? I think so. It's certainly the first hit song I think she had. It's the most listened to one on Spotify, too, which I, I double-checked. Really? Yep. 
regardless, certainly if you're going to do Vanessa Carlton versus somebody, I think Michelle Branch is the one. Yeah, but I don't know what Michelle Branch's song is. I think it's definitely everywhere. That's that's my that's my money. Anyway, you never listen to me anyway. You know what? No, no. I'm going to let you call an audible on this one. Great. Why don't we do that? We're doing it. All right. <laughs> it, 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 it leads perfectly. Um, we could from Stephen Jenkins to the woman that he dated for like five years. Vanessa Carlton, uh, a thousand miles. If you want to get hype for this episode, Vice did a cool um, interview slash review of Vanessa Carlton talking about this song and the history of it really wildly entertaining. It was during the pandemic. So she was living with her parents that it's just a delight. Yeah. All right, cool. That's what we're doing. Michelle Branch versus Vanessa Carlton. Be there. Not going to get a lot of votes, but it's going to be fun. Who knows? We'll see. Everyone likes, uh, everyone's very fond of Michelle Branch, especially apparently our, uh, demo, our, our target audience here. They love that shit. So nice. yeah, everyone vote for that. And, uh, you, you know, support us on Patreon, uh, blah, blah, blah. Give us a nice review on Apple or wherever you review things. And uh, if you give us a dollar, you can hear our bonus episode. We just did one on that thing you do. We got a whole backlog. Check it out. Yep. See you in the next one. See ya. Thanks.